Well, I hope you have your Bibles with you this morning, or we'll grab a pew Bible or use your mobile device. We're going to turn again this week to the third gospel, to Luke's gospel, chapter 2. Last week, we looked at the first reaction of Christmas. And the first reaction of Christmas is that of amazement. You're just stunned. You're just astonished. You're in shock. You can't believe that you've heard this news, and indeed that's what happened. The shepherds go and they tell what they've heard, and everyone who heard hears it, according to the text, is amazed. This week we're going to look at the second reaction of Christmas, which is that of treasuring and pondering. That's what Mary did in verse 19. But let's read a little bit more of the text. Let's begin with verse 4 of Luke chapter 2. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, or she swaddled him, and placed him in a manger. Of course, we all know the manger is that feeding trough out of which the animals eat, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, in the next few verses, we read about the shepherds being out in their fields at night watching their flock and suddenly the angels appear and and tell them the good news about a savior being born in Bethlehem so we move to verse 16 so they meaning the shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger when they had seen him they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then we hear this second reaction of Christmas in verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary treasured and she pondered. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, like many of you, perhaps, the older I get, the more it seems that my parents get wiser. You ever have that feeling as you reflect back on your parents? I'm not quite sure who gets the credit for this particular quote. I've seen it in several variations, but it, it goes something like this. When I was 18 years old, I thought my father was the dumbest man in the world. By the time I turned 21, I was surprised to see how much he had learned in three years. You heard that one before? I thought about that quote this past week as I was reflecting on Luke chapter 2 and on this second reaction of Christmas, treasuring and pondering in your heart. And, and it made me think about my mother and something that she said to me when I was a child. See, my mother grew up on a farm. 
Perhaps some of you grew up on farms or you had parents who grew up on farms. And my mother was very familiar with barns. She knew all about dairy barns. She knew all about tobacco barns. She knew all about barns that held and contained supplies and equipment. So she knew about barns. And I remember her telling me as a child that sometimes when things don't go your way, sometimes when you have difficult moments in your life, on those occasions when you hear news that is stunning and shocking and it amazes you, the first reaction of Christmas, she told me that sometimes you have to take yourself out behind the barn and have a talk with yourself. Take yourself out behind the barn and have a talk with yourself. And so as a, as a small child, I could just envision my mother being a little girl going out behind one of those barns on the farm in which she grew up and having that talk with herself. I think that's what's happening here in Luke chapter 2 with Mary. I think after the shepherds come and all of this unfolds with the birth of Jesus and the shepherds are describing how the angels have appeared to them and they're spreading the news, I think Mary, in essence, is going out behind the barn and she's having a talk with herself. Mary is trying to make sense of things. Mary is trying to figure out all that has transpired over these nine months of her pregnancy. She's trying to figure out what it means concerning the announcement of the angels that a Savior has been born, a Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. Now let's get a little perspective on Mary for a moment. Mary has been on quite a journey over these last nine months, and the journey entails far more than just the 80 or 90 mile journey from up in Galilee, Nazareth, all the way down to Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem. When our group of 32 went to the Holy Land, a little over two years ago, we rode the bus from Galilee and eventually made our way down to Jerusalem and Bethlehem, but I can't imagine walking that journey over somewhat hilly terrain, especially if I were nine months pregnant. Can you? So here's Mary. She's been on a journey, and that journey has been far beyond just that 90-mile trip. The reality for Mary is that Mary is about as low as you can get on the socioeconomic totem pole in ancient Palestine. First of all, Mary is a woman. Now that doesn't mean a lot to us today but in that patriarchal age in which Mary lived, in which women had very little respect and very little rights and very little authority, she's a woman. Number two, she's pregnant and unmarried, which is the kiss of death. Number three, Mary is probably somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16. You find that hard to believe? You see, women in this age, if they got to be 18 years of age, they were old maids if they were not married. There's a good chance that Mary's a teenager. She's 14, 15, 16. She might be on the edge of 17. And finally, Mary is dirt poor. 
So you talk about having all the strikes against you from the get-go. Mary's got all the strikes against her. The fact is, she is the runt of the socioeconomic scale of her day. And yet, surprise, 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 she's told that she's going to be the mother of the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Now, if we read over in Matthew's Gospel, we find out that Mary and Joseph are in the second phase that leads to marriage called betrothal. You see, the first phase, and of course, Joseph has found out in that second phase that Mary apparently has been unfaithful to him. She's pregnant. But there's a threefold phase of marriage for the Jewish people. The first phase is, is engagement. And that may have happened in childhood. A matchmaker puts a little boy and a little girl together early on, or maybe two sets of parents put their children together. It was uncommon to show up at the wedding and the bride and the groom had never met each other. Now, how'd you like to get married on that basis? So here we have the engagement period where two young people are put together, often in childhood. Then we have the betrothal period. Now, that's the period that Mary and Joseph are in. It's a one-year period of time. They are known as husband and wife, but they do not live together. And the only way that union at that point can be broken is by divorce. And then the third phase of marriage, engagement, betrothal, is the wedding and the marriage proper. So we find out that Joseph has decided to annul the betrothal between he and Mary. He's probably trying to save Mary, try to save her a little face, try to save her from humiliation and public embarrassment. He may have been trying to save Mary from the public awareness that would have led to her stoning, her death. Because you see, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 through 24, it says that any sexual relationships outside the confines of marriage is punishable by the capital death of stoning. You want to go back to the biblical days on that one? If so, I'm sure we'd have mass executions in this country on a daily basis of people being unfaithful outside the confines of marriage sexually. So here is Mary, and all of this has transpired over these nine months period of time. And we finally get to the point of verse 19, the baby's been born, and we get the second reaction of Christmas. That Mary treasured all of these things, and she pondered them in her heart. What does that mean, to treasure and to ponder? Well, that Greek word for treasure can mean to silently compare and interpret certain things within yourself. The word can mean to preserve. It can mean to keep. It can mean to guard within yourself, lest the event be forgotten. The word can mean to keep something safe, to keep something close, to keep something in mind. So obviously, Mary's treasuring involves connecting the dots internally about all that has happened, all the way back to Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel appears to her, tells her she's going to bear a son, tells her that he's to be named Jesus, tells her 
that even Elizabeth, her cousin, the one who was said could not bear a child, is now pregnant with a son herself. That's what Mary's doing. She's connecting the dots. She is treasuring. She is internally trying to interpret and figure out, what does all this mean? And then it says that Mary pondered these things. That word, to ponder, means to weigh or to consider the facts or the evidence. A little bit like if you're on jury duty and the judge instructs you that you are to weigh the evidence and the information and the data and the facts that you've heard. So the word ponder means to weigh. It suggests kind of an internal debate, an internal argument, an internal dispute with yourself, trying to figure out about what a situation means. So Mary is so overwhelmed by all that has happened in these nine months that I'm sure, either metaphorically or maybe real, physically, she has taken herself out behind the barn to make some sense of all that has taken place over the last nine months. Now, you know, after the amazement subsides, you and I also have to figure out what all of this means about the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and his death and his resurrection. Here's what I think Mary does for you and me. I think Mary gives you and me permission not to feel like that we have to understand all things at all times. Mary gives us permission that it's okay to doubt. Mary gives us permission to be misinformed about some things. Mary gives us permission to struggle with questions about life and death and faith without always feeling like we've got to have all of the answers at our disposal. Now maybe we think that Mary simply goes out behind the barn after Jesus' birth, has a talk with herself, and suddenly everything is crystal clear about Jesus and God's purpose for sending him into the world. Maybe we think it only took one trip out behind the barn and Mary's got it all figured out. But I want to remind you of something. If you turn over, in my Bible, one page to the end of Luke chapter 2, By this point, Jesus is age 12. And you remember what happened with Jesus? They went to the temple. And when they got ready to head back to Nazareth, they had traveled a day or so, and suddenly Jesus is nowhere to be seen. So they have to go back to Jerusalem and hunt him down, and they find him sitting there in the temple among the Jewish religious leaders. And Mary and Joseph say, Son, why in the world have you done this? And Jesus replied, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And then you go there to verse 51 and it says, but his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. She's still trying to connect the dots. She's she's still having to go out behind the barn and figure out what's going on. And then we move over to John chapter 2, when Jesus does his first recorded miracle, turning the water into wine at the wedding feast at Cana. And Mary doesn't understand what's going on with Jesus there. And we finally move to the cross. 
And there's Mary among the number of witnesses who's watching her very own son die at such an early age of 33. And yet, we go over to Acts chapter 1. Now, you know, Luke's gospel is his first volume, but his second volume is the book of Acts, which is the history book of the early church. And I want to remind you that in in Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it tells us that Mary is among the number of disciples who are praying following the resurrection of Jesus. She's still on the scene. She's still in the ball game. She hasn't quit. She's still going out behind the barn and trying to figure out what does it all mean. Now, now I just want you to think about this for a moment. Put Put your thinking caps on for just a second. If Mary is 16 years old when Jesus is born. And if indeed it's true that Jesus was about 30 years of age when he began his public ministry, and if indeed his public ministry was about three years, and so if indeed that means that Jesus was about 33 years old when he died, then that means that Mary was 49 years old when it all started to click, when it all started to make some sense to her. And the fact is that Mary probably had made multiple trips behind the barn throughout her life to connect the dots and try to make sense of things. So let's you and I be honest with each other for a moment. There are some days when I don't have it all figured out. How about you? There are some days when life gets the best of me. How about you? There are times when it comes to work or to life or to faith or to family, I don't have it all figured out. How about you? There are those moments when I scratch my head in puzzlement, and I'm amazed and astounded and a shock, the first reaction of Christmas, and I've got to join my mother out behind the barn to have a talk with myself, to start to figure out and connect the dots. God, what are you doing? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for our church? What does it mean for our nation? What does it mean for our world? And I love Mary so much because she gives you and me permission not to have it all figured out all of the time and to know that it's okay that we can still be a disciple of Jesus, we can still be His follower, we can still be one who learns of His ways and that we're on a journey. And it may take us 33 years, times two or three, to get it all figured out, but we're still on the journey. We're still disciples of Jesus. I spoke with someone recently who had gone through a difficult career transition resulting in a job change. And the end did not go as anticipated. The end of the job did not go as anticipated. 
And just as some healing, as some weeks and months went by, just as some healing started to take place, another work-related situation from that previous position opened up some old wounds. And the person told me, he said, you know, I, I had a talk with God. I mean, I mean this, this person didn't say this, but it was almost like they had gone out behind the barn too to have a talk with themselves and with God. He said, you know, I, I told God, what are you doing now? I'm going to need you once again to help me get through this. That's what he told me. You know, I, I just imagine that Mary said that multiple times, in multiple ways, in multiple conversations out behind the barn. God, I don't know what you're doing with my son. He's 12 years old. God, I don't know what you're doing with my son. He's 30 years old. He's got 12 men that's following him around the countryside. God, I don't know what you're doing. He's hanging on that cross. God, I don't know what you're doing. You've got to help me. They say he came back to life. I can just see Mary having multiple conversations with herself and with God out behind the barn. So folks, just know that you and I are in good company. You and I are in good company whenever we need to step out behind the barn and have a talk with ourselves and with God, whenever we need to start connecting the dots, whenever we are trying to make sense of things, know that we're in good company with Mary. And always remember that God, like he went with her, will go with us too. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, I don't know what's on the hearts and the minds of those who have gathered in this place for worship today. But you do. You know the places, God, where the old wounds have been reopened. You know those situations and circumstances that are challenging and may seem overwhelming. You understand, God, our pain and our questions and our doubts and our uncertainties. And you welcome us to go out behind the barn and talk with ourselves and even include you in the conversation. So thank you, Lord, that you have promised to go with us. You are indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And for that, we give you thanks and our praise. So hear our prayer, the prayers of the hearts of all who are praying silently now. In the name of the Christ child, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, our hymn of response this morning is Gentle Mary Laid Her Child, a good carol hymn for us to sing as we have talked about Mary. And uh, the, the hymn, the carol, is not in your hymnal, so therefore the words will be on the screen. And as we sing this morning, what kind of response do you need to make? What is it that God is laying on your heart? How is the Holy Spirit 
speaking to you this morning. There might be someone here who has never made that first-time decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. It may be that you have been through our membership class, Oakmont 101. You're ready to become a part of the Oakmont Church family. You may find it meaningful to go back to the prayer stations, to go and to leave a prayer request or to write a prayer to pray with one of our ministers. And you see the two baskets that surround our communion table this morning. We're receiving officially today, although you certainly can make a gift anytime throughout the month of December to international missions. If you, unless you designate otherwise, one half of that money will go towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The other half will go to the CBF Global Missions Offering, and both of them will fund missions work and ministry uh, in different places, in many different places around the world. So feel free to just move from where you'll be standing to sing, bring your gift to the front in the boxes that surround the communion table. So let's sing and let's stand together as we do so. Happy Advent, good morning, and welcome to worship at Oakmont today. Welcome to all. You may be a first-time returning guest, a long-time Oakmont member. We have some that are worshiping today by Cable Channel 7 or live streaming our service. And I get regular reports from both Cable Channel 7 watchers and live streamers uh, to our worship, and they are all so grateful, many who 
are unable to come to worship because of health issues, some who are out of town and are worshiping with their Oakmont Church family. So it is a ministry that in just a moment, as we receive God's tithes and our offerings, many of the things that we do really do make a difference. And they impact people. And this is one of the ministries that I hear on a regular basis makes a big difference in people's lives. So we want to ask you to take the fellowship pads and use it as a way to uh, match some names and faces to uh, deepen relationships and community around you this morning. Well, let me ask our ushers to come now. And as we do return God's tithes and our offerings to him, let's do so with a real sense of joy and generosity in our hearts.